This is A New Angle, a show about cool people doing awesome things in and around Montana. I'm your host, Justin Angle. This show is supported by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and the University of Montana College of Business. Hey folks, welcome back, and thanks for tuning in. I'm joined today by Chris Boyd and Shauna Kelsey, the founders of Pink Bench Distilling in Troy, Montana. And it's a really a symbol of the artistic spirit that embodies the town, but isn't always obvious. And so we just love it as as the symbol of the potential for creativity in small rural towns. This is a great story of community investment, engagement, and revitalization. Chris, Shauna, thanks for coming on the show. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. Yeah, so first off, tell us where did you grow up and what did your parents do? Chris, let's start with you. Well, I grew up in Los Angeles and my parents, my father's a pediatrician and my mom went back to school when I was in high school and got her master's in early childhood education. And she worked for the Archdiocese of Los Angeles as their coordinator of early childhood education for that archdiocese. Okay. Give us the brief kind of how you made your way to Montana story. When I was a kid, we went camping a lot every summer. And it was a big influence on me. I decided that I really wanted some type of job that was in the outdoors. So I went to school for biology, and then I went to grad school for wildlife biology. And in the interim, I worked all around the West doing wildlife biology jobs. And one of them brought me up to here to Montana, and I met a guy, and I went to grad school, and then we got married, and then I moved up here for good, and that was over 20 years ago. So I've been up here doing wildlife biology for a couple decades now. Awesome. Shauna, how about you? Where did you grow up and what did your parents do? I'm born and raised in Troy. So this is my hometown. My dad was a carpenter, ran his own business, that type of thing. And then my mom worked for the the United States Forest Service, which is a pretty big employer in our town. Yeah, And she did tech help. So she was the help desk person for several different um, forests. Yeah. So, so she had the, the mainstream job and my dad was independent, creative type. So you two have teamed up for a lot of reasons, but let's, let's give listeners sort of the, the state of play in, in, in Troy. Um, some of our listeners might not have even been to Troy. Shauna, since you've lived there your whole life, uh, describe the town and, and kind of the, the, the general state of play up there. Not only have I lived here my whole life, but since moving back um, after college, I've worked mostly in economic and community development for the Troy area. So mm-hmm. I'm pretty well versed in it. <laughs> so as with a lot of these Rocky Mountain towns, we're a traditionally mining and logging economy. And over the years, the mines have closed and logging has become more mechanized. So it employs a lot fewer people. So the economy is really different than what it was when I was a kid. And a lot of people work away. A lot of dads work away at other mines in other parts of the country. And we're just having to figure out what's next for the area. So we are right in the mountains. So recreation is becoming more part of the economy. Lots of retirees moving in, that type of thing. We have tons of beautiful lakes to live on and 
wilderness to explore. So it's attracting a lot of new people. Sure. And, and Chris, talk about your experience in, in wildlife biology a little bit. You mentioned that, but the two of you kind of came together around grizzly bears and apples. So tell us a, a little bit about that Genesis story. I have worked in the area on wildlife stuff for a long time, and most of it's large carnivore stuff. So I did wolf stuff during the big transition of endangered to non-endangered. And I have also done grizzly bear stuff. So once I had a baby, all that stuff's very intense. And it was time for me to move into a position that was a little easier to handle with a dependent. So sorry to interrupt, Chris, but when you say grizzly bear stuff or wolf stuff, I mean, <laughs> I, I, you're talking field work, right? You're out there. I'm talking field work, like, like yeah. trapping and radio collaring wolves, going out and getting bear hair from snags um, and setting up big lure traps. And yeah, real, really heavy duty field. Yeah. Work. Tough to do that. Um, and, and, and care for a newborn at the same time. It, <laughs> it is. It is. Um, and my husband also works in the field too. Okay. So I um, decided to, I looked at what things I felt I was missing. Um, and uh, grant writing was one thing I was interested in. Mm. So I got a job as a grant writer for a local nonprofit that Shauna was working for at the time. And she was doing community development. And so I wrote a grant for the farmer's market that she had started that incorporated into it an apple festival in order to kind of raise the profile of the farmer's market, create a celebratory thing, and also incorporate bear conservation, a way that wasn't, that was fun and wasn't in your face and just brought community together. We got an apple press and we did the apple festival and it was just awesome. It was an amazing hit and we had so many apples and so much apple juice. It was crazy. And apple trees are kind of prominent up there, right? A lot of folks, you know, don't necessarily or hadn't been kind of gleaning their trees of apples toward the end of the season. Shauna, had this been going on a long time or like what was the sort of bear aware status of the community? When Troy was kind of founded, it's uh, the most mild climate in Montana. Right. So we like to think of it as like a little bit of a banana belt. There, there was an effort to get it to be like, you know, like the Okanagan Valley, like it a heavy fruit producer. So there's a lot of apple trees here and on these old homesteads and, you know, in people's backyards all over. It's just hard to know what to do with all those apples. A person can only eat so much applesauce. So (laughs) there isn't a ton of incentive to pick your trees clean, um, except for if you don't, the bears are uh, pretty likely to sniff them out and come, come on down out of the mountains yeah. And how many years has the Apple Festival been going on now? I think this was the eighth year. Wow, eight mm-hmm. years. And now you two are kind of taking the next step with this collaboration and launching a distilling operation. Shauna, tell us about Pink Bench Distilling and, and what you're up to there. Yeah. So we've been working on this idea for several years mm-hmm. now. I'm sure you're aware that distilling is a pretty capital heavy yes. business to start. So yeah, maybe describe that a little bit. Like what do you need to, and you've, you've bought a building together, but like, what do you need else? What other stuff do you need to, to, to make booze? And so we did buy a building. We bought it in March of 2020, mm-hmm. uh, oddly enough. 
before the market went crazy. Wow. Well, that's good timing. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was really good timing. We'd been looking for a building for quite a while. We really wanted to have ownership of the building rather than renting a place because one of the things we knew we had to do was a lot of renovation just to make it specific to the needs of a distillery. So having trench drains in the floor and you know, really tall ceilings and all these different things that a lot of buildings around here wouldn't have already. Yeah. So we wanted to make sure we had ownership. So we, you know, that that investment wouldn't be all in somebody else's hands. Mm -hmm. And then of course the equipment is pretty pricey to get a still of a, a decent enough size where you can scale. Yeah. And it's not like you can just sort of go over to you know, wherever the nearest Walmart is and grab one of those. Like how how do you even, how do you even get a still delivered? It was especially made for our purposes. And I think Chris, right. It's in Illinois. Yeah. It's in Illinois. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah. So it's American made. The still that we got is a brandy still. So kind of the connection that I wanted to make was we've got this fruit and brandy is the type of spirit that is made from fruit. So you have whiskey, mm. whiskeys are usually made from grains and brandies are made from fruit. So the still we got is specially built to make things like brandy and whiskey that pulls like the really delicious essences of those base products into the final spirit. Okay. I've never had an apple brandy. How would you describe it? I think it depends on the apple brandy, but mm. um, <laughs> like any brandy, but they're pretty fabulous. I What I really like about brandy is that you can make it from apples or plums or pears or peaches, cherries, and they really do. If you If you can get it right, it really does bring the essence of the fruit through. If you don't age it, it's just this bright, fruity flavor that packs a punch. And um, if you age it in oak, then it becomes even more complex like whiskey does. But you still have those delicious like fruit essences and you have the kind of grounding base of, of your oaks that bring that tannin in. So they're delicious. Awesome. So you're pulling from a variety of natural resources in the community, not just the apples. Chris, describe all the pieces of the puzzle here. So yeah, so we have apples and plums and pears um, in the area that we'll use for brandy. And we also are surrounded by a lot of national forest. Um, Lincoln County is 75-ish percent national forest. And around Troy, it's more like 95% national forest. So there's tons of trees but in addition to trees there's a bunch of other plants Mm -hmm. so the fda is the government agency who approves ingredients and we went onto their website um, to look at what you can have as ingredients in distilled products and it turns out that our forest has got somewhere between 35 and 40 different botanicals that you can use in distilled spirits So we've worked with the Forest Service to come up with a harvest plan for those types of botanicals. So uh, we've got juniper berry for gin. We've got um, pine tips, which are also a big gin ingredient. We've got elderberry and elderflower and yarrow and tons of different kinds of berries. 
mountain maple bark is something you can use, cottonwood buds. I mean, there's just a, a wide variety of flavors that you can sustainably harvest from the forest. So that's another angle that we're pursuing. Um, and uh, of course, we have a lot of small farmers in the area. So we're working with them to see what they can grow for us that we can use for base. There's this root of iris, so it's called oris root, and it grows in really good um, Mediterranean climates like this. So it's mostly grown in Italy, but we would love to get an oris root producer up and running here because not only would it sell to us, it would it would sell to like other distillers in the region and potentially become an international market. Yeah, that kind of leads into the economic development. Shauna, you mentioned your work in, a, in economic development in the region over, over many years. An operation like this has got to not only, you know, will bring people together once, once you're open as a place to gather and uh, socialize, but also it's going to create some jobs. I mean, I would assume, you know, you, you there's a lot of pieces here, whether it's people producing the, the the botanicals or going out and foraging for them or working in the distillery. Talk about the uh, the ripple effects of, of initiating a business like this. Yeah, that's our goal is to create you know a meaningful impact mm-hmm. on the economy here, not just to provide jo- jobs for ourselves, but for people picking for us and working in the distillery, partnering with other companies doing uh, agritourism kind of endeavors. And, and just generally being an economic driver in the area, especially as other folks are looking at starting new businesses and capitalizing on some of the recreation that we have going on. There's a lot of improvements being made um, in the town and just in the on the forest for bike trails. And uh, we have a new skate park and a nice walking path that goes right by our distillery uh, handily enough. Yeah. And yeah, so... Yeah, so we do hope to have a, a good impact and in a way that's different than has been here before, especially with the botanicals off the forest. It's a really interesting new way to use those resources that the forest provides in a way that encourages conservation of different ecological zones because the only way for these botanicals to flourish is if the forest is taken care of. Yeah. You know, so it's different than previous extractive industries. We'll be back to our conversation with Chris Boyd and Shauna Kelsey after this short break. A New Angle is supported by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and UM's College of Business. Access to capital, broadband, and education are three ingredients any community needs for success. Hey, folks. Accelerate Montana and the Women's Entrepreneurship and Leadership Lab have created eight online micro-courses designed to provide current and aspiring women business owners real-world solutions to your business problems. These courses are practical and hands-on and will give you skills and capabilities you can put to work on your business right away. Courses include topics such as managing finances, how to create value for your customers, and pivoting your business. For more information on each course and how to register, visit wellwbc.org slash microcourses. That's wellwbc.org slash microcourses. 
This is Mike Morelli, Executive Director at MCT, and you are listening to A New Angle. Welcome back to A New Angle. We're talking about Pink Bench Distilling with Chris Boyd and Shauna Kelsey. Yeah, talk about the kind of cultural disposition to, to this enterprise up there, you know, the, the deeply embedded identity with logging and timber and mining, that sometimes is harder to overcome than simply learning a new skill to do a new job. It's sort of transitioning in your identity. Has the community embraced what you're up to? And it sounds like they have with the Apple Festival. What's the attitude towards Pink Bench? Yeah, I really haven't seen any kind of cultural pushback like that. I think especially because we are looking at building jobs in the woods, and this is my opinion, but I think the reason people identify so much with the the mining and logging and those types of jobs is because they like to be in the woods. It feels good to support yourself by working hard in the woods, and that's we're just providing a different way to do that. Mm-hmm. And along the lines of kind of the, the spirit of the community, yeah, you're you're entering into the the alcohol industry basically, and you know alcohol kind of cuts in many directions. It can be a wonderful way to bring people together, but it can also be a mechanism for for harm. People can abuse it. So I know you're committed to having a family friendly enterprise and offering non alcoholic drinks. Like talk a little bit about that balance of entering into this category that sort of needs to be marketed and consumed uh, responsibly. Chris, you want to take that one? One of the reasons we thought this business would be f- pretty appropriate, and when we approached it, that was definitely on our mind. We've been working really hard to get the word out that really our business is about flavor and not about inebriation. Mm. And there's lots of good flavors that can come off the forest and off local farms. And there's no reason for it to be just alcohol. A distillery tasting room can only serve two ounces per person per day. Um, so it's already a model that requires moderation. And we've been doing a lot of outreach at local events with mocktails, which are okay. mock cocktails, and um, working to show people that we know flavor. And if you come to our place and you want to get something that's non-alcoholic, we have delicious drinks that you can sit down and sip alongside other people who may be sipping on alcoholic drinks. It's a way to create a safe environment um, that is welcoming to everybody and that doesn't expect anything on either side of the alcohol spectrum. I love that. In our remaining time, let's talk about kind of how you get this thing off the ground or how you are getting it off the ground uh, as you mentioned, it is capital intensive. Uh, I assume, well, I know that you are kind of engaging the community for support in some interesting ways. Uh, we did an episode uh, several months ago with Andrew Connor from Crowdfund Montana, and my understanding is you're engaging with Crowdfund Montana to um, raise some capital to support this venture. Talk about that process. How are you pulling together capital and, and how could people get involved if, if they want to learn more about it? Shauna, do you want to take that one? We've been working with Andrew for several months now to do some creative fundraising. Yeah, so we're working with Andrew with Crowdphone Montana to put together an investment opportunity. The plot with Crowdphone Montana is that they try to 
create investment opportunities where people can invest in local enterprises, which historically has kind of been difficult to do, whether it's a you know, local hardware store, grocery store, or business that you know, is passing from one generation to another and, and needs some, some support or whatever the case may be. It's kind of been difficult for individual investors to get into that space. If folks want to kind of learn more about opportunities with crowdfund to get into Pinkbench, where would you direct them online? You would go to crowdfundmontana.com and you'll see active campaigns that are on there currently. And there's also more information about Crowdfund Montana and probably the Center for Community Ownership, which is Andrew's organization. Mm -hmm. So it's just a really fabulous thing that Andrew's doing. And it's a way for communities to kind of share the wealth and to be agents of their own change. So we're happy to be involved. Super. What are kind of next steps for you? I mean, you're going to do this this capital raise, but uh, you mentioned you're kind of working on getting the the still installed and the floor all set up. Like, what what are kind of the the key steps and milestones you have to get through before between now and when doors are opened at some point in the future? Shauna, do you want to take that one? Yeah, um, doors. We need doors. That's good. You can't <laughs> open your doors without doors. So, I, I mean, as you know construction in Montana is just going nuts yes. and, and we are a part of that, <laughs> you know, as, as with any renovation project that requires contractors, there's ups and downs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we've had some really great contractors come in recently and get the plumbing going and got concrete coming soon. And we had someone in there very generously spending his weekend, putting our subfloor in, in the, the tasting room area. So that is a really big weight off, but yeah. So now we just need to get the rest done and I think it will go pretty quickly over the next few weeks, month. Super. Yeah. And it's, it's a cool old building. It's, I think about a hundred years old with a lot of great character and people in Troy, people that grew up here and have lived here for, good amount of time have a lot of really great positive memories of it so it's been really fun to bring that back to life and it's right on the main drag is that right it is in the historic part of troy so when the highway came through it rerouted the main street so it's on the original main street so it's right across from city hall and two doors down from the movie theater and there's a lot of opportunity on that street to bring back some businesses and we're already seeing other locals invest in that street since we bought our building we don't want to take all the credit Uh but we'll take some (laughs) well that is fantastic uh final question for the two of you uh you've had a long working relationship you seem like great friends and partners what lessons have you learned about entrepreneurship and how to sort of maintain a friendship and partnership as you try to bring a venture to life? I mean, I'm sure it's it's not a linear process necessarily, but but what advice would you have to um, to people out there that might be you know working on a uh, business with a with somebody they they care about? Well, I think Shauna and I have both always been leadership minded, so we both have gone through pretty extensive leadership trainings. And I would say 
I've sought all of my leadership training out on my own. Um, I haven't relied on work necessarily to to give me those opportunities. I would recommend that highly. Search out those leadership training opportunities or those personal growth opportunities where you really get to understand how you communicate, how others communicate, and how to bridge those gaps in communication and understanding where you come from and where other people may come from. That I think has really helped us when we come into like, I wouldn't say difficult situations, but you know, like I know how I react to things and Shauna also knows how I react to things and vice versa. So we can read each other really well and treat each other as gently as possible as we go through the ups and downs of having a business. We have very complementary personalities. We, we do not have the same personality, but it's really complementary. And we just have grown to appreciate that we complete each other in that way. Yeah, that was very well put. Chris is really good with words. <laughs> <laughs> in each other, we've really luckily found very complementary not just in our personality, but in our strengths and I guess weaknesses too, or, you know, where we struggle, the other one doesn't. So that's been really useful. I think we've been really conscious of talking about the hard things before they come up as well. Not that we won't run into trouble over, you know, the coming years, but you know, we've sat down and gone through like strategic planning of how our partnership can work. And, you know, if, if we run into certain obstacles, what are we going to do about them? I wouldn't want to do this with anyone else. I mean, I've, I've had dreams here and there, like when I'm sleeping, those kind of dreams of having to do this with other people. And I just, I can't imagine. (laughs) Right. Well, those are both great points of wisdom and uh, thoughtfulness there. I appreciate it. And I lied. I do have one more question, and that is, <laughs> what is the pink bench? Tell us, is there a story there? Why pink bench? Is that a thing? The The pink bench came about after several months of trying to figure out a name for our business that we could trademark, hopefully avoid any kind of litigation sure. in the future with, with uh, other beverage businesses in the world. So we had been working on different kind of more unique artsy kind of names and it just wasn't working out. And so then we looked at our building, you know, and there's a hot pink park bench right next to it. We were just kind of taking it for granted, you know, that there's a hot pink park bench in the middle of town and it's ours. And then, yeah, just kind of a a light bulb of like, oh, that's the iconic yeah. little landmark that we're working with. We may as well go with that. The answer was right in front of you and it works. Yeah. And it's easy to pronounce. It's It makes sense to people. It's visually interesting. So it's it's worked really well so far. It checks all the boxes for great branding. Um, yeah. so I and it's a that. really a symbol um, in town of kind of the – the artistic spirit that embodies the town, but mm-hmm. isn't always obvious. So it's been there for 20 years. Um, it's a pretty enduring bright pink bench. And so we just love it as a, as the symbol of the potential for creativity in small rural towns. Well done. That seems like a great place to land it. 
Chris, Shauna, best of luck as you pursue this venture, getting it off the ground and doors installed and opened. And let's keep in touch because I want to bring the family up when uh, when y'all open and, and check out some of the, the wonderful spirits and botanical drinks and all sorts of fun stuff you're all putting together up there. So thanks for joining us today. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much, much, Justin. Thanks for listening to A New Angle. We really appreciate it. And we're coming to you from Studio 49, a generous gift from UM alums Michelle and Lauren Hansen. A New Angle is presented by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and the University of Montana College of Business. With additional support from Consolidated Electrical Distributors, Drum Coffee, and Montana Public Radio. Keely Larson is our producer. VTO, Jeff Amet, and John Wicks made our music. Editing by Nick Mott, social media by AJ Williams, and Jeff Neese is our master of all things sound. Thanks a lot, and see you next time.